Living your best life is your most important journey in life. That is a quote by Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. And I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to Trina Talk. This is episode 95. Before I get into this week's episode, for those of you who are looking to learn how to podcast or learn how to live stream, I am offering a special pricing offer on my technology assessment. This is one hour that you get with me. You get to ask me any questions that you may have about starting a podcast or how to do live streaming video. To take advantage of this limited time special pricing offer, go to tech.trinalmartin.com. The topic of this week's episode is love yourself and others. My guest this week is Rob Arthur. Rob is a health coach living in Raleigh, North Carolina, who helps health conscious fitness enthusiasts look, feel, and perform their best without stressing out over food and spending all their time in the gym. His approach places a heavy emphasis on mastering the basics, fine-tuning for individual needs, and cultivating a strong sense of worth. Hi, Rob. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hey, Trina. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So I'm looking at your bio, and you are a health coach. Now, usually how I start the show is before we get into your expertise today, I'd like to know a little bit of your background journey on what made you decide to do the things that you're doing today. Okie dokie. I'd be glad to do that. Uh, So uh, I guess going way back, growing up, I was always a little bit over overweight or at some points fairly overweight, but, um, I was an active kid and a a pretty, pretty happy kid, pretty sociable. I got along well with people. At least I thought so. And all throughout college, very social and active and whatnot. And, um, I never really paid too much attention to my health or my weight or anything like that. I mean, I, I lifted and I ran and I, um, I wrestled uh, but it was more because I enjoyed those activities more so than any kind of like physical outcome. You know, I enjoyed being on a team and whatnot. Uh, then when I graduated from college, I had put on a little bit of, of a spare tire from partying a little bit too much and a little bit too much late night food uh, during my final semesters. And so I moved out to Arizona in the middle of nowhere. And I was working full-time for a mining company. And so coming from uh, being a full-time student, I felt that I had a lot of extra time on my hands. And I decided that it was time to 
get my act together and start figuring out how to eat like an adult and uh, be a little bit healthier, quote unquote. So I hopped on the internet and went down the rabbit hole and read a lot about different diets and whatnot and, uh, you know, what does and does not make us healthy because, you know, because to me, it wasn't so much necessarily about just shedding a few extra pounds. It was because I knew that whatever I did, I wanted to be sustainable for myself. I wanted it to be sustainable for the environment. And I wanted it to be something that made me not only look good, but also feel good. You know, I wasn't looking for a quick fix. So I started off with, you know, vegetarian diet, then tried various forms of veganism and raw veganism and went down a rabbit hole for about four or five years of different dietary strategies and physical activities, you know, and I'd usually go pretty, pretty all in, you know, moderation is not exactly a strong point for me. So whatever I was doing, I was freaking doing. And uh, my friends would give me a hard time about that because they, they know that's just kind of how I operate. I don't exactly do things with, with any kind of restraint. So I, uh, I did that for about four or five years. And, um, you know, at points it got to where it was pretty obsessive uh, to the detriment of my relationships and my social life. And, you know, there'd be times when I felt like I was doing everything right and following all the rules, quote unquote, you know, all the, the rules and, um, you know, going all in on these things. But I just, you know, I wasn't happy. And I wasn't pleased with myself. I was never happy with my body. I was never happy with my life. Um, I had some pretty significant body image issues. And those are some things that I'm still battling with today, which is something that I, I'm not sure is that I'll ever get over, but it's, uh, it is what it is. Um, but slowly but surely, I stopped really jumping from one thing to the next and stopped jumping from one diet to the next and one training strategy to the next and instead implemented an approach where I would just make small changes at a time and see how they affected how I looked and how I felt. Uh, So I, I took a whole lot more of a slow approach and I started paying more attention to how I felt rather than, you know, how strong I was or, how fast I could run or, or how much I weighed or what my pant size was. Um, and generally speaking, focusing on how I felt would come along with improvements and all those things. But, um, you know, I focused on how I felt. And then I also started to focus on why I was never so happy with my results, why I was never so pleased, uh, you know, why it was never enough, no matter what I did. And I, came to find and am still finding and still working on uh, much of that is rooted in a sense of self-worth that I had been lacking. You know, I went from when I was in school, I had a strong social support network and I was involved in all sorts of organizations. And, um, you know, I had all these things that I was working on and those, those really helped me feel connected and gave me a sense of purpose and a sense of community. And uh, for years, I never really had that outside of school. And I 
I started to focus all of my self-worth and my identity in my body and, you know, what I was eating and how I was training. And that just led to a real empty place. And so uh, this pattern of recognizing that my health was not just about what was on the plate or what I was doing in the gym, you know, that's continued for the past several years. And I've just been, you know, for lack of a better term, realizing this more holistic view of health. I know that's a a buzzword, but it's, it's really the appropriate word. Uh, A more holistic view of health that takes into account all of these factors and and the self-worth being a really strong one. Cause I think, I think that's one area where people either go overboard being obsessed with their physical health, but I also think that it's one thing that holds people back from taking action with their physical health and other areas of health too. I think, um, I think a, a lack of sense of self-worth and self-value and self-love drives a lot of the problems that we all have in our lives. So that is ultimately what I seek to do through my health coaching is through helping people not only learn what they might do to bridge the gap from where they are with their physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, but also how to actually do those things. And a lot lot of times that comes down to self-worth. That comes down to doing things because you already deserve it and doing things because you already are worthy instead of how many of us approach it, which is doing things because we think we will be worthy once we do those things. Did that all make sense? I kind of covered a lot there and bumped my gums for a while. No, it did make sense. And I was just listening and it's funny because this is the first time I've heard someone put self-worth and health as far as uh, physical health in the same conversation. And it's something I've shared on the show many times that I had low self-worth or I didn't know my self-worth until probably about 10 years ago where I did a lot of uh, personal development on myself and and mental and emotional um, work. But now you're talking about health, which is very interesting to me. So... As you were going through this journey and you were saying how you wanted something that's sustainable, most people, they just, they jump on a scale and they go, oh, you know, I need to lose 10 pounds. I need to lose 20 pounds. And that's their whole focus. They're not thinking about the health aspects. Um, How do you help people get out of that rat race, so to speak, of just stepping on a scale and worrying about what their clothing size is? Well, that's a real toughie. It's a real toughie. Um, you know, it's a, well, 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 one thing that makes it tough is that the scale and particularly clothing size, they can be very useful metrics. So uh, I, I'm, I'm usually a little hesitant to completely disregard both of those. Uh, I would say clothing size is much more useful because the scale can reflect so many different things. But um, I guess that's kind of a side, a side note. Uh, I, I tend to encourage focusing on all the other outcomes of what happens when we start eating food 
that we're meant to eat that that works for us individually and moving and managing stress and all that stuff. I like to focus on a lot of the other outcomes, like how are you sleeping? How's your energy? How's your mood? How's your appetite? Uh, you know, all of these, how's your digestion, you know, bloating or gas or mm -hmm. digestive stress, you know, all of these other things other than the scale, you know, the scale is really just, it's, it's your gravitational pull to the earth. And so many factors can play into that. And um, there are just so many things in life more worthy of our attention than that. So I like to, I like to ask about, you know, how do you feel? How are you moving? Um, are your clothes fitting better? Do you have more mental clarity? Uh, all of that kind of stuff. That's, that's, that's where I like to focus. And same thing in the gym, you know, like a lot of folks see physical activity as just a way to burn calories, but really it's, it, it, it is so much more than that. It's being able to move well into a ripe old age to do the things that you love doing without pain or injury or your body holding you back. So it's, um, you know, I like to focus on things other than the scale and often instead of just saying, Oh, don't look at the scale, encouraging looking at something else helps replace looking at the scale. Cause when you, when you run from something, you have to run toward something else. So by encouraging looking towards something else, then that can kind of push the scale to the side. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that makes great sense because I try to do that as well with myself. I'll weigh myself to make sure I'm staying within, you know, my high and low. But as you said, clothing is usually a good indicator for me. So if something's starting to fit a little tight, I'm like, okay, need to need to lay off of whatever I'm doing. So how do you discern from all the information you're gathering what a person should be doing as far as eating for health? So I was speaking to someone a few weeks ago and they were saying their wife is has started this new thing of nothing but meat. And they actually said that this has been the best for the, their wife than anything she ever tried. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. But we're all different, right? So like you said, you go into, you know, are you bloated? How are you feeling? So it takes a while to, for people to pay attention to those things and relate it to what they're eating and their habits, sleeping and everything else plays a factor in that. How do you take all that information that you're getting from your clients to actually give them the correct actionable steps to take? Well, it really comes down to starting with the basics. When, when we look at all these different dietary strategies, you know, when we look at take two opposite ends of the spectrum, for example, when we look at veganism, which is absolutely no animal products versus uh, a zero carb carnivore mm -hmm. approach, which is nothing but animal products. Uh, when we look at those two extremes and everything in between, one pattern that we see with the most successful dietary strategies is sticking to minimally processed nutrient-dense foods. That is where we see most of the most of the bang for our buck. 
then beyond that, there are certain requirements that we all have as a species. Um, we all require essential amino acids that we get from protein. We require essential fatty acids that we get from, uh, from fats. And then there are vitamins and minerals and water. Uh, you know, we, we have these requirements. And so what we can do is we can start with a few basic habits that we're pretty confident can get us in the ballpark of hitting those requirements. And then from there, we can start tinkering with the details. So eating protein with every meal is a great place for people to start because we all need protein. Now, how much protein? That's going to take some tinkering. Some people feel better with a little bit. Some people feel better with a lot. But we can generally ballpark it with a starting point and then seeing how we feel and dialing things up and down uh, based on that. Same thing with vegetables. You know, you mentioned your friend, um, your friend who isn't eating any. You know, we can start with a general amount of vegetables and see how, how the client feels and then start dialing them up, dialing them down, seeing which vegetables make us feel which ways. And we might find that we operate best eating a ton of vegetables with every meal. Or we might find that we feel best eating no vegetables at all. And, you know, all along the way, there are other things we can look at. Um, uh, preferably, we'd be working with a physician also who's knowledgeable about this kind of thing and can make sure that blood work looks okay and that we're not developing any deficiencies or anything like that. Um, you know, that's where a lot of the individualization comes in. But, um, but generally speaking, there are some starting point habits that we start with and then we move forward from there, um, if that makes sense. So like we might start, we might say, oh, you know, I'm noticing that right now you're hardly eating any protein. So how about this? For the next two weeks, let's start eating two palm-sized portions of protein with every meal. And so then we would talk about that and see if the client's on board with that and then move forward. And then once we do that for a couple of weeks, we'll see how that affected the client and then make a change from there, either eat more or eat less or, you know, kind of see how things are going. So there is some individualization involved, but that's why this is a process. You know, I mean, even I am still making changes all the time to how I eat. And I find that not only does what works for me look different than what works for somebody else, but what works for me today might not be what worked for me a couple months ago or what is going to work for me a couple months from now. So it's really um, being self-aware and paying attention to how you're progressing toward whatever your goals may be. and then seeing what changes to your food habits you might make to those. Yeah. Did that make sense? I covered a lot there too. No, that makes sense. And I like what you're saying because especially with females, I see a lot of females saying, oh, you know, I'm going to go on this diet or that diet, or I'm going to do keto, or I'm going to do this, that, and the other, because that's what's out there. And I'm going, hmm, you know, and I've thought that myself, I'm like, well, if you just kind of think about yourself and what works for you, it probably would be better than you spending 
whatever amount of money to get into some program on a certain system. Now, some people it works well for, um, but I think not many people take that personalized approach. I think they're going for whatever the the common thing is at the moment because they're trying to gain results quickly. Would you would you agree with that? I would. I would agree with that. But and I'll, I'll add to that though that I think I think that we shouldn't completely discard labeled diets or whatever, mm-hmm. however you want to refer to because they make a great starting point. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I think where um, there needs to be a little bit more nuance in the discussion. You know, these I, I think that if you're going to marry yourself to a diet, that can be problematic mm-hmm. unless you're doing it driven from a place of how it's really working for you. But I also am not sure that we should discourage it because some people discourage any kind of quote unquote diet. Uh, they 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 like to take an everything in moderation approach. Mm-hmm. And that just isn't for us as a society. Right. To be, I mean, we're, we're really freaking sick and we're really out of shape. And so I don't think it's that out of the question to suggest that maybe starting with some guidelines and some boundaries is a good place to start for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And from there where you say, okay, I've been doing this for a few weeks now what do I like about this? What do I not like about this? What is working for me? What isn't working for me? You know, a, a, a diet, a diet is a great place to start for a lot of people. And then, you know, even when you talk about, if you have five different people in a, in a room, all of whom say that they're following the keto diet, mm-hmm. that might mean something different to all five of them. Same with paleo or plant-based or carnivore, you know, that's um, even these labels that are often referred to as if they're well-defined aren't because they, they mean different things to different people. So I, I like to steer clear of labels, but I'm not sure that I, you know, I, I steer clear of them only because I don't know what the person who I am speaking to is going to interpret from that label but they're useful in that they give people a ballpark idea of how somebody eats. Yes. And, and, and great. And I wasn't opposing the, the labeled diets. I was just saying a lot of people do them and then they'll say, Oh, well, I've been doing this for a month and it's not working for me. Like it worked for X person. So I'm stopping or I'm going to the next thing. And it seems like Mm. a lot of people I know they're basing their, results on what somebody else did because diet X may work well for you, but it may not work well for me. And I think not many people understand that. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Right. right. Agree. Yeah. So I also like what you're saying. So you say that you help people perform the best without stressing over food and spending all their time in the gym. So talk about the spending time in the gym because I've heard people say, oh, you know what? I go to the gym two hours a day and I'm going, where do you have two hours a day to go spend in the gym? I'm like, like, either I'm doing something wrong or you don't have enough to do in your life. So let's talk about that. How How do we get to that point where, you know, we've talked about the eating, eating healthily, plus taking care of our physical being where we're not in the gym all the time? Right. Oh, that's a that's a great question. 
And to, uh, to put that in context, you know, when I say to, to look, feel, and perform your best, um, you know, that's in the context of, you know, we're not talking about uh, like a pro, yeah, a pro athlete, for example. Right. Um, you know, somebody, somebody who wants to perform at an elite level or wants to compete in a specific sport is probably going to have to spend a little bit more time training, exactly. training for a specific goal. But if, if you're just a, a regular person who wants to look and feel good and move well and, um, and just be a healthy individual with some strength, some definition, some flexibility, uh, maintain um, being injury-free for a while, you know, for, for, for the life, if that bang out of your buck. So... I think we mentioned earlier how a lot of times people think that they go to the gym solely to burn calories. And if that's your goal and you're going into the gym and you're just hopping on a treadmill and trying to dial that up as high as you can you're probably now that being said if you enjoy running and that's going to keep you physically active because you sincerely like that activity go do it go run but if if you're looking for the biggest bang for your buck in terms of maintaining uh physical ability strength and mobility then what i like to recommend is some form of movement preparation like anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes of uh, some movement prep, like stretches and mobility exercises, and then another 20 to 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever you have of some form of resistance training, like lifting weights, Uh, full body routines are typically a little bit, uh, they seem to be more effective in terms of time bang for your buck for the average person. So you'll go in there, do some sort of full body workout two to three days a week uh, for maybe an hour each time, throw in some high intensity conditioning, and that can be anywhere from once to three to five times a week. That's, that's going to vary from person to person. You know, some people have a pretty high tolerance for conditioning. Some people don't, but uh, like I, I like kettlebell swings. I like getting on a a resistance bike called an airdyne. I like that a lot. Any kind of short burst sprint of conditioning. So if you if you have a, a training routine where you're doing mobility, strength, and conditioning, and you're doing that two or three times a week for around an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, then if you get your eating habits on point, so far as maintaining your strength and your mobility and whatnot, that's all it takes in terms of training. Outside of that, a lot of bang for your buck is going to be coming from just not being sedentary, uh, walking a lot, taking frequent movement breaks. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the phrase movement snacks, no. where thinking about getting your movement as these large meals, think about getting them throughout the day. You know, every 30 minutes, Go for a little bit of a walk, get up and stretch, bang out a push-up or a pull-up or something, you know, staying physically active throughout the day, I think 
offers a lot. I, I think it's a better starting point for a lot of people than trying to set aside time for training if they're not already doing so. Um, I hope that gave a clear answer. Yeah. Covered a lot too. Yeah, yeah no, it, it did. And I like, I like the movement snacks because I try to do those as well. I find myself sitting at my desk working and hours have gone by and I'm going, oh my goodness, let me get up and walk because I've been sitting in that same place for a couple of hours. But I also, I get up and I walk and I used to be one of these people who was in the gym all the time lifting weights. Well, because of age and now I have a bad back, I'm into Pilates now. So I I go to, I have a mat Pilates class that I attend and then I have private lessons where I do the reformer Pilates and I think I'm in the best shape now of my life than what I have been. And I'm not going to the gym five, six days a week. I'm not spending an hour, you know, each time in there. And I'm going, wow, I really feel good. Um, And I think that's the misconception. I think people think you have to go to the gym every day and spend all of this time or do so much to get yourself in shape. And from what you're saying, as long as you're eating right with what's good for your body and you're doing some form of physical activity, you can maintain good health. Oh, totally. Totally. And you know, when I, when I say, you know, I threw out the example of strength training or resistance training, you know, a lot of times, depending on what you're doing, stuff like Pilates, yoga, calisthenics, that totally counts as resistance training. You know, that's, that's really good stuff. Um, and, and finding something that you enjoy is so critical. Like Pilates classes, you're not only in there getting a good workout, but you're also with other people, you're interacting. And, and that's something else that I think would add value to the conversation. It's that if we talk just about physical activity, that is just one piece of the pie when it comes to what it takes for us to look and feel our best. You know, there are all those other factors. We've already talked about food, but also stress management, having nurturing relationships that are meaningful, being a part of a community, getting sunlight, getting good sleep, having a sense of purpose. You know, when you start looking at all of these things that contribute to keeping us healthy and happy, exercise is just one of those things. And the more of those other things that we start taking care of, the less exercise really matters. And unfortunately, we tend to be gravitated towards focusing on exercise at the expense of all those other things. And so that can be counterproductive. Like you, I used to spend every single day exercising. And, um, I used to do it for over an hour every day. I'd go to the gym and just try to blast myself and uh, just wasn't a way to live. And for me, at least, you know, some people love that. And some people, some people that's a great fit for because they genuinely enjoy being in the gym every day. But, um, but if that's not you, you've got better options, you know? Yes. Yes. And so when you are coaching your clients and we've already, we talked about the the gym and the eating, but focus in on stress and sleep, because I think a lot of us 
in those areas are not doing very well. And they are. They're very important parts of your health. Mm-hmm. Well, stress uh, stress is a little bit of a toughie because we look at it as trying to minimize the sources of stress in our life. And often we can't really do that, you know, especially if it's like our job or our family or our partner, you know, that's, those are, those are tough things to manage sometimes. So, so rather than try to minimize the sources of stress in our life, what we can do is we can work on our ability to handle those stressors and work on our ability to respond rather than react to stressors or let them dictate how we live. And much of that comes down to practicing mindfulness, being able to observe and recognize our thoughts and feelings without letting ourselves get carried away with them. Like realizing that we're getting irritated, realizing that we're getting annoyed, realizing that we're getting upset, and then taking a step back and saying like, okay, Rob, or okay, Trina, you're getting upset about this. Let's take a deep breath. And this is self-talk, you know, this Mm -hmm. is, you know, like me talking to myself or you talking to yourself of, of, okay, I'm recognizing this situation. Now, how am I going to respond to this? Am I going to get worked up and let it get to me? Or am I going to see what I can do about it? Do those things and attempt make peace with those things that are outside of my control. Now that's way easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Uh, First of all, just building that skill is a challenge and then practicing it consistently is even more of a challenge. So I like to, uh, and I like to uh, encourage a meditation practice, which can take anywhere from two minutes to however long you want to take to do it. And sitting distraction-free with nothing but your breath and your thoughts and your feelings and practicing letting your thoughts come in, letting your feelings come up and acknowledging them and letting them go and sitting with them. And that can be very uncomfortable for a lot of us uh, without trying to distract ourselves, especially from unpleasant thoughts and feelings. You know, we're, we're so used to grabbing our phone or turning on the TV or doing this or doing that. Anytime we start to feel bored or, or anytime that we start to feel uncomfortable and learning to just let those thoughts and feelings come into our body and acknowledging them and accepting them and exploring them and then letting them go that's a really strong, uh, or that's a very useful ability, particularly in terms of managing stress, because it gives us a little bit of space. When something happens that starts to stress us out, we've already practiced this ability of recognizing that we're getting stressed and then giving ourselves a little bit of a pause before responding to that stress. Uh, this also helps with uh not putting your foot in your mouth so much. I've learned in terms of not saying stupid things. Still do it, but a little bit less frequently than I used to. Um, and then sleep. Sleep is also a toughie. Uh, we tend to think of sleep as wasted time. And we tend to see it as doing nothing. When in reality, that's 
that's when so much happens. You know, all the things that we do to take care of our health, the eating, the training, the, the stress management, the getting the sunlight, spending time with friends and family and doing things we love. Those are like the putting the ingredients into the dish. And then the sleep is like when the dish actually cooks. It's like when we, it's when our body processes all the inputs that we've given it and then restores and prepares for the next day when we give it more inputs. So a lot goes on when we sleep. Uh, The problem is in order for us to get more sleep, we have to get less of something else. And that's a challenge for a lot of people. So what we can do is if, if we want to try to get more sleep, we can just schedule it, give ourselves a hard sleep time, like, like a kind of like setting an alarm to wake up, but setting one to go to bed. So giving us a, a hard set bedtime. And then what we can do to make sure that the sleep we get is the best sleep possible, we can implement a sleep ritual to help us wind down and get ready to go to sleep and sleep well. So two hours before our bedtime, we can start minimizing electronic use or using blue blocking glasses, which now they're making, uh, they're making brands and models that don't look completely nerdy, but they still block blue light from getting into our eyes, which can help us wind down a little bit and signal to us that it's time for bed. Uh, we can make sure that our bedrooms are cool and dark. We can um, try to minimize overly stimulating activities, like watching the news, for example. Uh, take a few minutes before going to bed to read and let ourselves chill out for a little bit. And those steps, even if we're not getting as much sleep as we'd like, they can help us to get better sleep. Yes, and I totally agree. And sometimes I'm not the model for that sleep poster because I say I'm going to go to bed at a certain time and then I get bogged down with doing work and sitting at my computer. So it all goes to pot. So I, I have to be more diligent on saying, okay, here's my dedicated sleep time. So mm-hmm. you've given us some great information about being healthy physically and eating right um, and even some some mental um, exercise, if you want to call it that. So that was great. Now, I have 10 questions that I usually ask of all my guests at the end, and we're going to get started with the questions. So are you ready, Rob? Oh my goodness. I, uh, oh, uh, yes. I did not know this, that I'll give this a shot. Let's, uh, let's do it. Let's go. Have no fear. They're harmless. So question one, who or what motivates you? Oh my gosh. Oh, that's a toughie. Who or what motivates me? This is going to sound kind of morbid, but I assure you it's not. When I am on my deathbed, and I'm moving on to whatever comes after this part of my existence, uh, whether that's nothing at all or whether that's a complete do-over in another body or whatever, whatever comes next. 
I know that when I'm on my deathbed transitioning, I want to feel as though I live this life in a way such that I do not have regrets and in a way that I feel as though I left the, this is such a cliche answer. I didn't think this through, but it's going to come out of my mouth and I'm going to sound so cheesy, but I do want to feel like I left a positive mark. There's so much negativity. And this is something that I've noticed lately, especially over the past several years is there's so much negativity and there's so much lack of love for oneself and for other people. And that's part of what drives my message of self-love is that we can't love others until we love ourselves. So what motivates me is first of all, I don't want to feel regret when I'm transitioning to whatever's next. And I also just really want people to love themselves and expect more for themselves and have the self forgiveness and the courage to go and do those things and make, make their lives better and love and live a life of love. You know, that's what's driving me right now. On those days when I don't want to get up and, and write, or when I don't want to get up and, and work with somebody, I, I just think to myself about, you know, how can I help somebody just love themselves a little bit more today? That's it. That's it. Just take a little bit of the pressure off themselves work a little bit harder to make their life better. So that's, um, that's my answer to that. Okay, Great. What demotivates you? Mm. Man. Uh, oh, like what makes me not want to do, do the thing um, or, or whatever. Gosh, what demotivates me? I'll tell you what, uh, perfectionism gets in the way. And that's a lot of times rooted in fear, you know, fear of judgment for fear of judgment from myself and insecurities about what I'm going to think about myself. I'd say that a lot of times drives it or not feeling like I'm making a difference. That also, that also does it, you know, um, not feeling like what I'm doing is having an impact. Okay. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Mm. God, that's a toughie. These are some good questions, man. Uh, something that was said or done to hurt me but it ended up being for my good. You know, hmm. There have been times, so I mentioned in high school when growing up, not necessarily being in the best physical shape. Uh, that was a lot of times the butt of jokes. And I, 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 I participated in it. You know, I, I was hard on myself. Other people were hard on me. And I would say that that's played a major role in my drive to even focus on physical health now. And at times I might still do it from a place of not feeling like I'm good enough. That, that absolutely still happens. But since I recognize that, that in turn is what drives me pushing the message of being enough. It's like seeing these things. And this is not only things that other people have said to me, but things that I say to myself, you know, I, I'll admit, I can be really hard on myself in my head. 
And even verbally, when no one else is around, I will say some horrible, uh, a lot of times it's half joking and I'll kind of giggle while I say it, but, uh, but you know, self negative self-talk and other things people have said, um, where I feel like I'm not good enough. And that's when I recognize myself saying those things, that's what drives me sharing the message of being good enough. So I would say that those are some negative things people have said and done that have given me, that have put me in the position now to where I'm fighting against that. Okay. What is your fear? Fear. Mm. You act as if there's only one. (laughs) (laughs) My fear. Uh, Gosh. You know, I fear that, I fear, here's something I'm, that I'm working with acutely right now, specifically. Uh, I often fear that I am going to pour all of my time and energy into spreading this message and learning about this message and this mission that I've shared with you throughout this entire podcast episode. And that at the end of my life, I'm going to look back and wish that I'd spent my time doing something else. You know, just like I said, I don't want to feel regret when I am on my deathbed moving to the next phase of whatever's next. Uh, I would say regret is a huge, huge fear. That's probably the biggest one that I have is I don't want to look back and and say, damn, I wasted all that time. Uh, There's always that potential. And so what you do is you, um, or what I do is I just accept that that's a possibility and that I'm doing the best that I can. And that, uh, there is always going to, I, I, there is nothing that I could do that could guarantee freedom from regret, except what I can accept, um, forgiving myself and saying, Hey man, you did the best that you could and you lived your life doing the best that you could. Could you have done better? Sure. But that's hindsight. So, uh, my fear of regret is balanced with a constant striving to understand that I will never get it perfect and that there's always going to be something that I could have done better and just letting that go, Mm -hmm. calling it enough. Absolutely. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Mm, In the short term, yes. Uh, countless times to can't even really think of a good example to give because there's just so many, but, um, but ultimately they've all put me where I am today and I wouldn't trade where I am today for the world because you never know what the alternative is. You never know, you know, if, if there was a time when I was disappointed that something didn't go how I wished it had, I don't know what downstream effects that would have had in that other life. You know, I don't know if, um, you know, I, I just, I, I, I really, I don't, I don't like to think, well, I shouldn't say I don't like to think about that because I do think about that. But when I think about that, I don't let it get to me. Like I don't ever think, Oh man, I wish I'd done this. I mean, I do think that, but then I let it go pretty quickly because you can't change the past. And you never know what kind of downstream effects anything would have had. You know, how many times has something bad happened to you in the moment that ended up being a blessing in the long run? 
It's the same way looking the other way. How many times could something that good happened in the moment that led to something catastrophic? So I just, I try not to, I try not to dwell on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What is your definition of success? Ooh, ah, for me, it's happiness. It's being content. It's, um, it is being able to accept what I have and do the, the best that I can with what I have. It is living a life that is in alignment with my values and my goals and being able to put my head down on a pillow at night, feeling as though my day was lived in alignment with that goal. And so, you know, for me personally, that is what I shared earlier, you know, trying to spread a message of self-love and self-worth and working to forgive myself. And a lot of things that I journal at night about what I could have done better or good things that happened in the day. I use this thing called a five minute journal and it prompts you to write certain things. Some of those things are, uh, you know, three awesome things that happened today and something that I could have done better today. And most of the time when I write on, on those, it's, it has to do with either not showing or giving or receiving love freely, or it has to do with not living intentionally in the moment, um, not living with presence and not being grateful or being grateful. So um, to me, success is really just being content, being happy, being satisfied. Okay. How do you recharge? Uh, uh, as an introvert, I do like time to myself. I, I, that, that's where I recharge. Um, I love being around people. I love interacting with people and I love spending time with people. But to recharge, I really like to go for long walks by myself listen to podcasts. I like to turn on the PlayStation and mess around with that for a while. I like to watch YouTube lectures. Uh, I really like to go home and just kind of recharge on my own. Um, You know, I love being around people and I love interacting with people and going out and doing things and all that good stuff. But to recharge, man, I love just a little bit of downtime to myself. That, That does it. I love that. It's wonderful. What are you awesome at? Hmm. Oh gosh. I am awesome at, uh, geez, Louise. That's a toughie. God, I don't even know. What am I awesome at? I think I'm a pretty self-aware person. Uh, so I'm pretty awesome at being aware of my thoughts and my feelings. And I also think I'm pretty, I like to think I'm pretty perceptive to how others think and feel. And I like to think that I am good at communicating and expressing my thoughts and receiving thoughts and clarifying thoughts. I think I'm a pretty good communicator. I hope so. I mean, there might be people listening to this podcast thinking, this guy's full of crap. He's a terrible communicator. But I like to think that I'm pretty good at communication. Okay. What legacy do you want to leave? Hmm. Man, it's just been a recurring theme, just to love. I, I want to be remembered as helping people to love themselves and love others. That's, 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 uh, I'm not sure I can think of a better legacy than that, you know, to stop getting all worked up over all the minutia and all of our differences 
and all of the petty things that we tend to get so worked up over and to realize that we have the potential to impact our own lives and other people's lives just by simply being cool to one another, you know, just, just showing love to each other. Like that's it. Start with yourself and then let it branch out. Uh, I would love to have that legacy left. Mm, That was good. Give the listeners one motivational takeaway. That kind of was it. But if you have another one. (laughs) Uh, Well, stop beating yourself up. Stop expecting yourself to be perfect and recognize that you will never be perfect. You will always, always, always make mistakes. You'll say and do stupid things that you'll wish you hadn't. Um, And you'll do it knowing it at the time. And uh, just don't beat yourself up for it. Pick yourself up and try to do better. You'll stumble. You'll keep taking steps backward, but keep taking steps forward too. That is it. Everybody here is struggling. We're all struggling. We all have our issues. Just put in the work. You are worth it right now. Don't do it because you think you're going to be worthy. Do it because you already are. Take the pressure off yourself. Do the best you can. Keep pushing forward. Mm. Where can the listeners connect with you? Uh, they can easily, most easily, they'd probably find me. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Rob Arthur. They can look at me there. I've got a website, uh, coachroba.com. If they go there and click on a button called Start Here, they can download a guide called eat like you love yourself it covers a whole lot of what we talked about already in terms of you know starting with the basics making one change at a time it also provides clear suggestions for habits to develop like eating protein with every meal how much protein what to eat how much vegetables you know stuff like that it's got the tactical and the strategic stuff in it it's a really good guide it's the bomb coachroba.com start here they go there. I'm also on Instagram and TikTok at the Rob Arthur. That's T-H-E-R-O-B-A-R-T-H-U-R. And I'm on Twitter at the Rob Arthur. That's where they can find me. Okay, Rob. Well, I really thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me today. And it's been very informative about loving yourself and going forward to love other people. Oh, my pleasure, Trina. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. If you like Trina Talk, please don't forget to go out to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.